morning, saints. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get ready, get ready, get ready, and stay ready. Wrongs turn into rights is the name of the sermon today. So before we begin, let us go to God in prayer. Lord, we just say thank you for the scripture. Thank you for the words. Move us from where we are to where it is that you would have us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I got to find my second win. Praise God. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about get ready, stay ready. Wrongs turn into rights. Anybody ever felt like they've been wrong before? Just about everybody, right? Anybody ever felt like you've seen justice after a wrong? Have you ever seen something happen in your favor? It's ironic. Every time I ask that question, I always get the same answers. Yeah, I've been wrong. Yeah. But I ain't never seen no rights, though. Well, we all heard what goes around comes around, right? And we've seen some of those things when things go around, they come back around, don't they? Okay. So it does exist. When I think about justice, I think about... Ahmad, um, Aubrey, and some of those people that were killed by police shootings and things like that. And where is the justice and the martyrs and things like that? But um, we are safe in God's arms, as we just said, as we just saying. And our wrongs do get turned into rights. Um, whether we are the ones that's doing the wrongs, amen, <laughs> or whether someone else is doing the wrongs to us. And we've seen those things go around. You know, how many times have you seen, like, uh, you did something wrong, and you know you was wrong, and that same thing came right back around to you, or you somebody did you wrong, and that same thing came right back around to them. So, you know, a lot of time God is in those details of that going around, okay? <clears throat> the scripture says um, um, that God is the one that gets the vengeance when we are wronged. So we're going to look at some characters today. We're going to look at Uriah the Hittite. Say Uriah the Hittite. And we're going to look at Bathsheba. Say Bathsheba. Uriah was a husband. He loved his wife. He was a great provider to his wife, Bathsheba. Bathsheba was beautiful. She was so beautiful, she even caught the eye of the king. Now, how many of you want to be beautiful like that? Amen. (laughs) Bathsheba was a daughter. She was a wife. She was faithful. She was beautiful. She was trustworthy. And she did what she was expected of her as an average Israelite woman. She served the Lord with gladness, and she was beautiful at the same time. A lot of us women can identify with that, right? Uriah was an elite soldier, a king, in, I mean an army in David's, uh, King David's army. He was a soldier in the army. Uriah was faithful, a loyal servant, disciplined, trusting soldier, and he trusted his king. Now, how many men can say that? I'm a soldier wherever I'm at. I'm a soldier for my family, all right? I'm a soldier for the Lord. I'm trusting. I'm faithful. I, I can do, you know, I do all things with God, right? So a lot of us men can identify with Uriah and Bathsheba. But, somebody say but. All of this got Uriah murdered. And his wife went from being a first wife, Uriah's wife, to being David's eighth wife. Now, some of you may or may not know, a first wife is much better than being an eighth wife. 
you get more things for you and your children, right? More rights um, as a first wife versus an eighth wife. So they both, thank you very much, they both were, um, they both were done wrong. One second, please. So they both went backwards. Um, and Bathsheba was supposed to marry Uriah and have sons with him. She never had an opportunity to get, um, have children with her own husband um, as a first wife. So this is how it all happened. Let's put the uh, scriptures up on the screen from the Old Testament. So I got some highlights here. David um, was in his palace, at the palace, and one day, he, it was probably nighttime because he was on the rooftop. You know, nobody goes to the roof. You can go back to verse 3. One day he was on the rooftop. It was probably nighttime trying to get some air, and he saw Bathsheba taking a bath. Now, normally, I don't know about you all, but when I take a bath, I close the door, right? <laughs> I close the shower curtain, or I close the curtain, or the window, or something. I'm not going to just be out there, okay? But Bathsheba, she could be seen clearly from the roof of King David's palace. Now, this is a faithful Israelite, trustworthy, beautiful woman, right? But now she's doing some some scheming. It looks like she's doing some scheming, okay? Um, and then we have David, a man after God's own heart, sees, <laughs> that's what the scripture says, doesn't it? <laughs> He's a man after God's own heart. He sees Bathsheba, he immediately says, um, he immediately says, verse three, um, who is that woman? And someone tells him, oh, that is the wife. Uh, that's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. So he knows that she's married. Verse four, what does she do next? What does he do next? He sent for and, um, she came and got him. Now, when you're the king, you better do what the king says. I don't know if she was just trying to be slick or she just wanted to be noticed or whatever, but um, she had to go get summoned. Now, her husband wasn't there because he was off at war at this time. This is the springtime when normally when kings go off, I mean, kings go with their army, but David didn't go. He was at home with Bathsheba. So he slept with her and she went back home, verse 5, and then found out she was pregnant. Okay, now this is a man after God's own heart. And this is a faithful daughter and wife, Israelite woman, trustworthy, being unfaithful to her husband and to God. Come on, how many of you all that sometimes God's people will do some wrong sometimes? So, come on now, wait, none of us in here perfect. <laughs> sometimes God's people does the wrong things, okay? So he found out she's pregnant. Now what does she do? Now what do you do? What do you do when you mess up, when you have a big mess up? What do you do when you mess up? You pray, okay? Anybody else? What do you do? You get scared, okay. Uh, that's the normal thing to do, right? <laughs> so sometimes you got to fix it, right? How do you fix it is the question, okay? Okay, what do y'all normally do? Hopefully y'all, hopefully the right thing y'all do is just right the wrongs and accept your part in the wrong, right? I don't know. A lot of us don't do that. <laughs> it sounds good on paper, but do you actually do it? Um, and so, 
uh, what happened? David tried to legitimize it, and he made all these lies, and the lies just kept getting progressively worse and worse. And you know when you lie, you got to continue on with the lie. You got to remember what you said five seconds ago, and then when you get down the way, it's like, oh, yeah, but I said this, but, oh, but I, I also said, oh, but, you know, you got to keep remembering. You got to keep going on and on and on and on with the lie, right? You have to practice to be a liar. Amen? Amen? Amen, somebody. You have to practice lying. To be a successful liar. But that's going down the wrong path. Okay? So what happened in the scripture? Now let's go on to verse 6. So what does David do? David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. Now he is an elite person in the military. David takes one of his key people from war and brings him back to the palace, brings him back home. And he said, and send him to David. And Joab sent him to David. Okay, uh, Uriah came to David. David asked how Joab was and how the soldiers were doing. You know, how's everything going? You know, how's the war going? Um, and then um, David said, you know what, Uriah, why don't you go on down to your house and uh, wash your feet? In other words, go ahead and be with your wife and go home because I want to make it look like you got your own wife pregnant, not me. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so uh, Uriah left the palace that night. Uh, and, um, a gift was sent after him. Now verse nine, but what did Uriah do? What was Uriah's action in verse nine? But Uriah slept at the entrance of the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. Interesting. Sometimes you have a plan and it don't work. Um, so what happened again? So David found out Uriah did not go home and, um, he said, why didn't you go home? Verse 11. And this was Uriah's answer in verse 11. The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander and my Lord's men are camped in open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I would not do such a thing. This should convict David. Why wasn't David convicted to be out there? Now, it says the ark, which is talking about the ark of the Lord. The spirit of God was in the ark of the Lord at that time, okay? The spirit of God was out in the tent. And they wanted the, t- the spirit of God to be back in Israel with them. But um, he felt like he, he didn't need to go. He wanted to be around on the palace with, you know, with Bathsheba and Uriah, the faithful man. He said, I got to go back and fight for the Lord. I got to go back and fight with my commander and my, and my comrades. David didn't feel that kind of thing. He didn't feel the same way. Verse 12. What does it say in verse 12? Still scheming. Then David said to him, well, stay here one more day and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that night and the next, next, verse 13. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with them. And David now, another scheme, tried to get him drunk, which he did get drunk. But in the evening, did Uriah go home? No, he did not go home. Okay, verse 14. In the morning... 
David found out he didn't go home. So what does he do? He wrote a letter to Joab to send it with Uriah. And the letter was actually about Uriah. That's kind of, it's kind of bad, I think. You know, I got something to tell your commander, but it's really about you. And you really don't know. Okay, verse 15. What's next? Okay. So, and then verse 15, it says, uh, in the letter, David says, to Uriah, put him in the fiercest battle. And then when you guys are up there, I want you to just leave him, abandon him. So he set him up to get killed, one of his faithful men. And guess what happened, everybody? He died. He died. Thank you. You can take that down. He died. And when the morning was over, the, the period of mourning was over, guess what David did? He's still at it. He sent for Bathsheba and made Bathsheba his wife. But it was evil in the sight of the Lord. You know what? It's just so interesting when how when we have a problem, how do we handle the problem? We make a mistake, which we all do, okay? Um, when we make a mistake, what do we do? Do we try to legitimize the mistake? Do you try to make up lies and keep going on and on and on and on with the lie? Or do you just say, okay, I'm going to just take some accountability for my mistakes and I'm going to solve this problem. I hope it's the second one. If not, make it the second one. Cause I can tell you your life is going to go much easier because what ended up happening is a small little lie, a small little indiscretion turned out to be a really big thing. And somebody died because of it. So, um, Uriah had his integrity, but his integrity got him in trouble. Now, all of these wrongs, all of these wrongs, all of these wrongs. But how, Pastor Antonia, is this getting us ready for greatness? Well, I'm glad you asked. God takes our wrongs and turns them into his rights. Amen. God takes our wrongs and turns them into his rights. Um, Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. Right? I don't know. Some of y'all don't sound seasoned enough because some of y'all don't sound like y'all believe that one. When you go through a bad break, believe that God is up to something. Believe that God is with you. Um, and so even though David thought he was getting away with something, God sees and knows all. And everything done in the dark is going to come to the light and at the end of our lives, we're going to have to stand before God and give an account for our lives for everything that we have done. I want to be one of the people that say, I didn't do that many bad stuff. Lord, help me. Yeah, I tried. You know, I might have messed up, but I tried again in this area. And, you know, I just kept on moving forward. You know, I don't have to be perfect, but I'm moving forward in the right direction. Right? Right, man? So David made a big mistake, and he did not handle it the right way. Okay. So even though David thought he was getting away with something, God saw it. Nathan, the prophet, was sent to go talk to David now. And Nathan says, I want to tell you a story about a rich man and a poor man. Rich man had all these flocks, all these herds, and this poor man just had one little lamb. And he loved that lamb. He fed that lamb. He slept with the lamb. He just cared for it with all his heart. And then one day the rich man had a visitor, and you know what he did? He took the poor man's lamb and killed it and gave it to the visitor instead of using one of his own flocks. <laughs> David was so mad. Nathan said, you are the man. 
it's so interesting. It's so easy for us to point the fingers at somebody else's wrong, but we can't point at ourselves for our own wrongs. David, a man after God's own heart, wouldn't even say that I was wrong. Amen, somebody. But Nathan had to come up to him and say, you are wrong. Now, there was judgment. Oh, yeah, there's a judgment. Everything has a price to pay. So what happened? Um, David said, oh, I have sinned. <laughs> he realized he sinned when he got confronted and when all his business got put out. And then, okay, Nathan said, okay, you're not going to die. But the child that Bathsheba was pregnant with, she, the baby will die. And David pleaded before the Lord, and the baby still died. Um, and Bathsheba was really sad, too. And he went and consoled her. But guess what? They got pregnant, and then they had Solomon. And God loves Solomon. Okay? So sometimes we feel like we've done wrong. We're feeling condemned. It doesn't mean that God hates you. It doesn't mean that God is going to shut you out forever. Sometimes you need to just admit the wrong. Okay? Take your neighbor, admit the wrong. And go to God. God is the one that's going to change us. God, you know, there will be a punishment sometime, but God is the one that's going to change our lives for the better. Um, so how is this getting ready for greatness? God turns the wrongs into rights. No, the baby did not deserve to die, but God took the baby's life. Uriah and the baby were done wrong. Okay? They are an example of dying, doing nothing wrong. Okay, but this is an example to Israel. It's preparation for the Israelites to understand their disloyalty. It's preparation for them to see that Jesus was going to be faithful. Jesus was going to be loyal. Jesus was going to be disciplined and would yet die for somebody else's sins. all of us. So this is an example. He is a foreshadow of Christ. Okay, Uriah was not Jesus, but it prepares us for Jesus. Okay. It's a clear picture of how, when we're done wrong, um, what happens after that? You know, are we going to get restitution? And the answer is yes. Okay. God is going to turn our wrongs into rights. So, um, nobody wants a baby to die, but David and Bathsheba had a judgment and the baby had to die because of their actions. Uh, but then David made a promise to Bathsheba. Now, there is no written record of the actual promise David made to Bathsheba. However, Nathan the prophet knew about this promise. And because Bathsheba was harmed too, after her husband was killed, her son would be king. The promise was that her son would be king. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 11, Nathan remembers the promise. Now, it's not written down, but Nathan knows all about this promise. And when David is about to die, his son Adonijah puts himself on the throne as the king, right? And Nathan tells uh, Bathsheba, instructs her to tell King David, my lord, the king, did you not swear to me, your servant? Surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. So, David made a promise. Okay, as my eighth wife, the eighth wife's child is not supposed to be the king. It's really who? It's the first wife, right? Adonijah probably was in line to be king. And he was probably mad. He probably heard about that promise to Solomon. So that's probably why he put himself on the throne in secret. But Nathan 
went and told Bathsheba what was about to go down. Now, y'all didn't know the Bible had so much drama to it. <sighs> so, <laughs> some of y'all watch The Real Housewives, you need to read the Bible. Praise God. <laughs> but God was the one that brought her and her son out better if that thing had never happened in the beginning. So, God righted Bathsheba's wrong. She might have been out there scheming. She might have been in the wrong. She should have been the eighth wife with no rights, not, not the right of a king. Um, but God brought her out much better. If that thing had not happened, we probably wouldn't even know who Uriah was. We probably know who Bathsheba was. We probably even know who Solomon was, right? God brought them out so much better, and Solomon was one of the wisest kings that ever lived. God loves Solomon. Sometimes we go through a wrong and we wonder, where is God in this wrong? Hello? Don't you see me down here? Hello? Maybe I should go do this on my own. As you can see with David, when you do things on your own, sometimes you're making it worse. Oh, yeah, somebody know about that. When you try to get vindication on your own, you're making your situation a whole lot worse. The scripture says, vengeance is mine. God sees all, knows all, and he will bring the darkness to light. If you have been done wrong, know that God knows everything that's happened in your life. Now, Uriah didn't see vindication while he was alive, of course, because he died. He was murdered. But Uriah got vindication through the genealogy. Now, let's put up the New Testament scripture. Matthew chapter 1. It says, and Jesse, the father of King David... David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Now, wait a minute. What's happening in Matthew chapter 1? This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And who's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? Uriah. Uriah's wife, too. So all these negative things was getting worse and worse, more wrongs and more wrongs and more wrongs, but God is going to make some things go right in your favor. If, if you had not been wrong, you wouldn't see the double. If we had not seen the wrong, we wouldn't know who Uriah was. He is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. God wants to make your name great. Come on, I received that one. God wants to make your name great. Hallelujah. God has something great for you. And he's going to vindicate you whether you know it or not. You don't have to understand everything. That's not for us to know. But you have to trust God that God is going to right your wrongs. Now, this scripture, Matthew chapter 1, is naming the patriarchs. But as you can see, there, there is a woman named the mother had been Uriah's wife. Well, actually, there are five women listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And God vindicated all these women as well. Even women are vindicated. Amen. Somebody, um, we have Tamar, um, who Pastor Kelly talked about in the first um, sermon of the series, a widower. She was denied children, and her, both of her husbands were killed. Uh, God took both for her husbands because <laughs> they were evil. And um, she ended up being restored and had twins. Uh, her uh, father-in-law didn't want to give her another son. The custom is if you're a widow, you have to marry the brother and have a child with the brother. But then the brothers kept dying. And so he didn't want to give him no more of her sons because <laughs> they just kept dying. 
And so finally, she ended up having a child with her father-in-law, and she ended up having twins. Um, Rahab, she was a prostitute in Jericho, but she ended up having, um, helping the Israelite spies um, take the city of Jericho. And her name was mentioned. She um, wasn't even a worshiper of God, but she decided to help the Israelites that day. And her name was in the genealogy. We have Ruth, who was a Moabitess. She didn't worship God either. But guess what? She took care of Naomi, and she pledged to serve the Lord, didn't she? And guess what? Now she's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And then we also have Uriah, the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba. And then we also have Mary, the mother of Christ, who had a child without knowing the man. And Joseph was going to call off the wedding. And then the angel said, no, don't do it. She's telling the truth. You know, she really is pregnant with the Messiah. So all these women were vindicated. Praise God. All the women were vindicated. As well as Uriah, God has vindication for us too. Praise the Lord. If God can do it for them, why can't God do it for you? Think about one good time when God helped you out when you had been wronged. Know that God can do it again. God can do it today. Praise God. God is preparing us for greatness. Hallelujah. God has somewhere for us to go. He wants to make our name great. He wants to give us double for our trouble. Amen. Get ready. Oh, y'all receive that one. God wants to bring you out greater than what you were before. Oh, amen. God wants to give you double for your trouble. Tell your neighbor, double is coming. Double is coming. Get ready and stay ready because some wrongs, I believe and declare, are getting ready to turn around into some rights in your life. Amen. Amen. And next week, we're going to talk about Jesus and how Jesus is preparing us for something bigger than we can see. Amen.